how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Our reading today is from Exodus chapter 28. Um, I am going to read verses 1 to 21, and then at the end I'll also be reading verse 29. So Exodus chapter 28, um, verses 1 to 21, and then verse 29. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother, and his sons with him, from among the people of Israel, to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. And you shall speak to all who have ability, whom I have endowed with an able mind, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments which they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a girdle. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet stuff, and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet stuff, and of fine twined linen, skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges, that it may be joined together, and, 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 and the skillfully woken band upon it, to gird upon it, shall be of the same workmanship and materials of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet stuff, and fine twined linen. And you shall take two onyx stones, and engrave on them the names of the Son of Israel, six of their names on the one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone, in the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. And you shall set the two stones upon the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for remembrance. And you shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold, twisted like cords. And you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. And you shall make a breastplate of judgment, breastpiece of judgment in skilled work. Like the work of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet stuff, and fine twined linen shall you make it. It shall be square and double, a span its length and a span its breadth, and you shall set in it four rows of stones. A row of sardius, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst and the fourth row a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with his, each engraved with his name for the twelve tribes. And then verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment upon his heart when he goes into the holy place, to bring them to continual remembrance before the Lord. Amen. Debbie, would you like to come forward and I'll pray for you? Um, 
Father God, we do thank you for Debbie for the words you've placed upon her heart about this passage to bring to us this morning. We pray that you will anoint her with your Holy Spirit as she speaks, and may the words that are your words come out of her mouth, and Lord, may you give people uh, receptive hearts and minds here, Lord. May those words that Debbie brings to us this morning uh, go into people's hearts and minds and lives today. Uh, may they touch us and uh, bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. We're going to be thinking about this very strange passage. I wonder if some of you, as we were reading it, were thinking, I wish we could have preachers on more accessible parts of the Bible. <laughs> Anyone think that? You know, I like the verses that say, God loves you. Jesus died for you. He rose again from the dead. Come and be washed. Have your sins forgiven. You know, there's some, there's some really good verses in there. And you might be thinking to yourself, why have we chosen this strange passage, which has got a lot to say about, you know, exactly the way that these special priestly garments were being put together and sewn together. And, uh, and exactly how they were going to look and exactly the precise instructions for them being made. And I was really, really glad that Liz came and did that children's talk for us a little bit earlier on because it was so, I'm sure we've all received a lot of illumination already on this passage and on what it is all about and what it is trying to teach us and why it is nevertheless an important passage for us to read and to get to grips with in some way and to understand. Because really this title that we have before us this morning, A Priestly People, this is the message that God has for all of us, for you and for me here today, whoever we are and however far along our journey with the Lord Jesus we are, our message for this morning is that we are called to be a priestly people. And that's why it was wonderful to have those breastplates given out earlier to all kinds of different people. And I'm sure Liz won't mind, you know, going away. And she could just craft one for every member of the congregation so that we could all wear it. That would be brilliant. That is the message for us. And, you know, actually, that is the message that right from the very beginning, not just from the beginning of Exodus or the beginning of the story of the people of Israel, but actually right from the very beginning of the story of humanity going right the way back to the origins in the Garden of Eden, this is the message that God had been trying to get through to human beings who would belong to him, to human beings who wanted to fulfill the purpose for which they were created. God has been saying ever since then, ever since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he's been telling us, you are to be a priestly people. I want you to understand what it means to function as a priest if you are my people and we can see him explicitly um, just a few chapters back in Exodus 19 in the story that we've been reading together of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt and making their way, making that journey into the promised land as they did all those many years ago. Um, as the people of God did this, in Exodus 19, God spoke to them through Moses and said, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
And he said, God said to Moses, these are the words you shall speak to the sons of Israel. But even before that, as I said, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them a job to do. And he said, I want you to cultivate and keep this garden. I want you to look after it and help it to grow. I want you to guard it as you walk about. And those words in the Old Testament Hebrew, they conjure up for us um, the priestly activities that God had for his people. Right from the earliest days, God was saying to humanity, I want you to behave as priests because there's a whole big world out there and not all of them know me. That's what he was saying to Israel at this point in history. The whole earth is mine, but you guys, you're my special possession among the peoples. Not because you're better than everyone else, but because I've chosen you to be a priestly people. To go and do the work of bringing human beings back into that close relationship with God that every single one of them was designed for. And so you might ask yourself quite naturally, well then why? Why does God say that in Exodus chapter 19? You're a kingdom of priests. Every single one of you is a priest. You all behave as priests. And then by the time we get to chapter 28 here, we've got special people being named as priests, a special tribe that can only work in the priestly way, in the priestly function, special clothes that those priests have to wear so that nobody else can get in on the job and pretend to be one. It's very obvious, very clear they're being set apart got a special job why does God go to all that trouble to do that if he was saying all along I want all of you to be priests isn't that a confusing message you might want to say to yourself but what we are come to understand is that God's people they needed to learn how to fulfill that priestly calling they needed to be taught I wonder if we here this morning think that we need to be taught anything <laughs> in our walk with Jesus? It's an obvious question, isn't it? But do you know, sometimes I think maybe we might come to a point where we don't think we do. We think we understand it all really any now and we've kind of got somewhere with it all. Or maybe some of you feel like, oh, I know I need to be taught. There's so much more that I need to learn. And we look around to other people and we think they're the ones who've got it all sorted. They're ones who've got it all nailed down. They understand all the complicated verses and how to apply them or whatever it might be. But the message all along is we need to be taught. We need to learn. We need to see what it means to be the people that God has made us to be. That's true for every individual here. You know, God put you together in your mother's womb and he had a purpose and a destiny for you in his heart when he did that. And we don't just get that straight away when we come into this world. Don't we see that all the time? Don't we see that in the identity crisis that is out there in our world today? In the way that people are desperately searching for meaning, for purpose, to know who they are, where they fit, how they're supposed to be, why they matter. Because we have to be shown, we have to learn, we have to be taught. And that's true for all of us here too. And it was true for the people of Israel. They needed to be shown really clearly what it means to fulfill this priestly calling on their lives as God's people. And when we come to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews shows us so brilliantly and beautifully and comprehensively that Jesus is the ultimate example 
of a priest and that now he has fulfilled that role perfectly, we can truly be released to fulfill it as well, to be a kingdom of priests. Up until then, we had the priesthood that was given, the Aaron's priesthood that was given here in these verses, and they showed us and taught us things and gave us ideas and gave the people of Israel something, um, some symbolism to get hold of, some signs to get hold of, and they were working towards it. But once Jesus came, he fulfilled it so perfectly, and now he can open it up to you and me. So now we can truly fulfill those words that God spoke to Israel all those centuries, millennia ago. We can fulfill those words because Jesus has come and he's our high priest and he has shown us what that really means. So what does it mean to be a priestly people? How do we minister as priests if you want to talk about it that way. I just want to read us a couple of verses from the New Testament to help us to understand that. Paul says, he gives us an idea about it in Romans 15 and verses 15 to 16. He says, I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given to me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, to the non-Israelites, ministering as a priest the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So here we have Paul in the New Testament, one of the prolific New Testament writers, and He is talking about himself and his work as he follows Jesus as being the ministry of a priest. And he understood that to be that as he was sent out to the Gentiles, to the peoples of all the different nations in the world, as he was sent out to them to bring them to know Jesus, that that was a priestly function because he was reaching out to people who felt far off from Israel's God and bringing them in and saying, you don't need to be an Israelite, you don't need to be a Hebrew, you don't need to be a Jew to come near to this God. He wants all of you. So he was reaching out with the love and the good news of Jesus and bringing those people in close. And then he describes the other side of that process, also as ministering as a priest. He says that he kind of gathered up those people who were saying yes to Jesus and coming closer to God, and then he offered them to God. He lifted them up to God like an offering. He prayed for them, in other words. He blessed them. He was working in prayer to see them grow spiritually into all that they were meant to be. And that too was a ministry of bringing them closer to God, bringing God and his people together. That is the priestly function. We reach out with the good news and draw people this way. And then we pick them up and we push them this way into the very heart and experience of the love of God. And Paul understood that that is the priestly ministry. That is the priestly work that we are all called to do. But not just Paul in the New Testament, but we've also got Peter. 1 Peter 2, verses 5 and 9. Peter writes this. He's another great contributor to the New Testament writings. And he says to the church, You also as living stones, 
you are all being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And he goes on. Peter understood too this calling to the church that we are all to be a holy priesthood, a kingdom of priests. He even quotes those words that were spoken to Israel all those years ago and says that's for all of you now, the Jews, the Gentiles, all the different peoples that we are together. All of you have this same calling to be priests and a priestly people. And he sees it in terms of proclaiming the excellencies of the one who's called us out of darkness into light. In other words, that our lives start to shine out how good God is, like that song we were singing, the goodness of God that we have experienced, the goodness of God in lighting up the dark places in our lives, the goodness of God of forgiving us and freeing us from our past and our regrets and our sins and mistakes, that we can shed them and leave them behind and walk into a new life and know what it means to live forgiven and free. These are beautiful excellencies of what Jesus has done for us. And Peter says, to be a priest means you just let that stuff out of your life. Let it shine forth. Let the excellencies of Jesus be proclaimed through you. That is part of your calling as a priest. Whether you do it through your words, your writings, your love, your kindness, your goodness towards those in your life. Shine out his excellencies. And then thirdly, and I just like the fact that this Priestly imagery is used by these three important writers in the New Testament because John also, who wrote the book of Revelation, Revelation 1 verse 6, he understood our priestly calling. He said, God has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. Jesus has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is what he has made us to be. And I want us to get hold of that this morning. If there's nothing else that we kind of take away, to understand that as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as a member of Ixus Forest Hill, however you want to define yourself, as that person that Jesus is calling you to be priestly. And to be somebody who shines forth his excellencies and brings other people closer to God through our words, through our prayers, and in all kinds of other ways. You know, Liz was talking to the children and describing how in some churches, you know, we might have uh, people dressed up as priests in those special clothes. And sometimes what that does is it contributes to a picture of church life that says it's just the people at the front in the special clothes and with the special titles who are kind of doing the real work of being a Christian. 
and that maybe if you're sat in the congregation and you're looking out towards the front, and even in churches like ours where we don't use, wear special clothes or use special titles particularly, but sometimes there can be a view of church life that says I can sort of sit out there and so long as I'm sort of part of what's going on that other people around here are doing and experiencing and expressing in a better way than I ever could, maybe you think, you know, that if we look at church like that, we sort of imagine that the priests really are, are the people with the special jobs and the special titles and the people who do the stuff at the front. And we can kind of watch the Christian life going on around us and sort of feel part of it because we're watching it and not realize that we too are called into that. And we want to be a congregation, don't we, of truly priestly believers who understand the priesthood of all believers, of every single person. We want to rise up together into that priestly calling. And so I'm just going to unpack for a few minutes some of the symbolism in these priestly clothes that we've already had depicted beautifully for us. And uh, my pictures will be nothing as good as Liz's beautiful costume. <laughs> but you can have those things in your mind and we'll grab just, I want to grab three things out of the symbolism of these clothes that were meant to teach Israel who they were meant to be and that we can now use to teach us fully who we are meant to be in Jesus. First of all, I want to talk about glory and beauty. Glory and beauty. Because in these verses, in verse 2, we have that beautiful phrase. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, the priest, for glory and for beauty. Priests carry glory and beauty. So do we carry glory and beauty? Are we a glorious and beautiful people? There's a lovely Ichthus tract written long ago, right at the beginning of Ichthus, called The Beautiful People. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the Ichthus people, but the people who follow Jesus. There's something glorious, there's something beautiful that should be shining out of our lives if we are fulfilling our priestly calling. And I hope that we do see that amongst us when we look around at the shared corporate nature of our life together. You know, the Christians in Turkey, um, some of us saw that video at the prayer time um, of the, the testimonies that are being brought about how the Christians have responded to the earthquake disaster in Turkey. And uh, in one of the earlier videos where they were thanking us for sending our aid and our contributions to that work, they were saying how it was such a testimony to the people on the ground in that nation, watching the church respond, watching the Christians respond. And people couldn't get over the fact that their love was what drove them to seek to pull people out of rubble and rebuild houses and rescue and rehome children and support people who'd lost everything. It was love that drove them to do it. And it's been beautiful. People have seen beauty in that. They could see the difference between the workers who were sent by charities or government aid who didn't carry the same glory and beauty as the Christians who just came born out of love for these people and compassion of Jesus for the people. 
that they were seeking to help. It's a beautiful church in a very ugly world, but it's a beautiful church. I'm so proud to be part of that. You know that we are here. We are part of our brothers and sisters around the world, some of whom are shining out so much glory and beauty in difficult circumstances. But I pray that we will we will do the same in our context and in the way that God calls us to. You know, just a tiny, in a smaller, much smaller way. But I was thinking how at Christmas time, one of the COVID-y time kind of Christmases, I can't remember if that when, when that was now, a blur. But I remember that some of you in the congregation here very, very kindly visited my house around Christmas time to deliver a card and to deliver a gift to us and as our family. And you came and you sang Christmas carols at my door um, for a few minutes just before you handed over the card because we weren't allowed to go in and out of each other's houses. And you know, my next door neighbor told me afterwards, she said, I just, I stood at the doorway and I just listened to that singing and the carols and, and what those people said to you when they gave you that gift. And she said, it just made me cry. So I felt really overwhelmed. And I know it wasn't just your beautiful singing, <laughs> those of you who did that. I know it wasn't just that. That wasn't what, it was that, but it wasn't just that. It was the beauty of that act of just such a lovely, kind and generous and beautiful thing to do and she saw it and it shone and it touched her spirit and I hope that we are I think I know that we are in so many ways that kind of people it's Jesus in us isn't it that brings the glory and the beauty to the fore and you know that word in in Hebrew glory it means it kind of comes from a root word that means sort of heaviness or a weight, not a crushing heaviness that squashes you like a lot of us feel in the world that we live in today, like we were singing about earlier that we want to throw off, not that kind of heaviness, but a weight, a sense of the importance of what God is wanting to do with you. I wonder if you carry that sense of the weight, the responsibility, not a heavy one, because Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, my commands, Jesus says, are not burdensome, they don't crush you and weigh you down, but there is a weight to them, there is a yoke nonetheless, there is something that we carry and that we feel the weight of. I think that is part of the glory that the Lord wants to leave with each of us today, is that sense of responsibility, a sense of a weight that says, I'm calling you to something. I'm calling something out of your life. I want you to do something for me. The Lord's speaking that to us. And the beauty, that word in the Hebrew, is not just the, the average word for beauty. It's a word that means something to do with gleaming and shining like a precious stone gleams in the light. Probably to capture the picture of that beautiful breastplate with all the precious stones on it. There's something that shines out of God's people. If we're living out our priestly calling, that beauty will gleam out from us. You know, sometimes in moments when the light catches and there's a flash of something different, something fresh, something new. And, and others will see it and they will be blessed by it. They will comment. They will notice. I remember we went to get my dad's 
flu jab it was, I think, or maybe a COVID booster or something like that. But we took him along to the clinic and there was a guy from the St. John's Ambulance who was giving the jabs to people. And you know, just everything about the way he dealt with us from the moment we came in, I think we all just knew that he obviously loved Jesus and had the life of Jesus in him. And so at some point, my dad, in his inimitable way, just said to him, put his hand on his shoulder and he said, do you love our Lord Jesus too? <laughs> just out of nowhere, was putting the, putting the thing in. And he looked so surprised, but he said, yes, I, I do. I love Jesus. <laughs> it was so lovely. And all the other staff were like, oh, that's interesting, listening in. But there was something that just shone out of this man and like, you know it, you recognize it, because I pray that we see it in one another, gleaming out from time to time. That is the priestly calling. Second bit of imagery I want us to think about is the idea of being wise in heart. It's what it says in verse 3, literally. I don't know what your translations say, but it says, You shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him so that he may minister as a priest to me. And that word skillful persons, or whatever your translation says, it literally means those who are wise in heart. I like that idea. And they have a spirit of wisdom, it says, in them. In other words, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been poured out to God's people to help the church to fulfill its priestly calling. Here in the story, it was the artistic and creative skills of the seamstresses or seamsters or the people who were making those beautiful clothes, those garments. It was the Holy Spirit in them working through those skills to create the clothing that was needed for Aaron to minister as a priest. Here in our church life today, there are people that God is giving gifts from his Holy Spirit to and filling their hearts with particular wisdom, particular ability, particular skill, so that as they serve and use those gifts in church life, they are helping the whole people of God to function and rise up into their priestly calling. Maybe we might think of the teachers and the prophets amongst us. Perhaps those are the ones who are helping us to remember and get a sense of the heaviness, the weight, the glory that we're meant to carry. So they teach it from the scriptures and we feel a sense of, oh yes, yes, God is putting something into me, into my heart, into my life. He's, he's showing me what I need to do and who I need to be. And the prophets who speak out, come on guys, we need to go in this direction. Don't fall away into that direction. Go this way. As those people minister into church life, more of the sense of the glory of God can be understood and felt amongst us. Maybe we might see the evangelists and the pastors functioning amongst us. They're the ones who are kind of helping us to shine and gleam like we're meant to. You know, they're cleaning us up. They're praying for us. They're giving us a word in season. They're pastoring us. They're loving us. They're helping and encouraging us. Or the evangelists who are helping us to shine out a bit further than just our immediate context, shine out into the world with our friends and our neighbors, maybe those are the ones who are causing the beauty to shine out further here in Forest Hill. But I also want to emphasize there are many, many gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to his church. But I really wanted to emphasize, like this passage does this morning, the creative and artistic gifts that God gives by his Spirit 
to the people of God, to enhance and to create and to release the glory and the beauty of the church. That is a ministry that God has given to people amongst us. And it's not just about bringing those skills in the obvious kind of aesthetic ways, like, you know, making the room look nice or making nice pictures or whatever. It might be that. It can be that. But it's not only those things, because sometimes those more aesthetic considerations can limit what God is wanting to show forth because of different people's culture and taste. You know, so you might put up a beautiful painting and and some people, because of their culture or their personal taste, will say, that is beautiful. And others will be like, not so sure about that, no. (laughs) And vice versa, you know. So it's not just about the aesthetics, but the artistic, the creative skills that God has given us. When they flow forth from the Holy Spirit, then they speak to us prophetically and they capture something that clothes the body of Christ like those garments that the priests wore and help us to function better as we should. And I think there are so many amazing examples of that that happen amongst us that people here with their creativity and with their artistic abilities serve and release the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ and prophesy through us. You know, it's a really tiny and small example, but I'm using it deliberately um, because it's not the obvious one. But I remember a long, long time ago when I was putting the notice slides together, you know, the sort of thing that we see every Sunday morning. I was really praying over the images that I picked for the different events that were going on, because sometimes we have an image given to us, but sometimes we don't. You have to find one. And I was really praying over those images um, when I was putting them together. And, you know, um, I would pray, you know, Lord, let that communicate something of the heart of God in that event so that people actually want to go there. They see the picture and they think, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be part of that. Or they understand something about the nature of that event, about what God is doing with it. And so I was really praying about it. And, you know, it was so interesting because I never shared that with anybody that I bothered to do that. You might think it's a bit of a waste of prayer time, but that's what I did. And somebody came up to me at the end of a meeting and just said, oh, I just wanted to say that picture you used for the prayer time, for prayer, it just really spoke to me. And it made me think that I want to get more involved in prayer in the congregation. Like the image there, just I suddenly understood prayer in a new way. And I realized that in my, there are people much more creative and gifted than I am at doing those sorts of things. But as the Holy Spirit got hold of my ability to look at a nice picture or not and find one and choose one, it genuinely released something important, you understand, for that person's discipleship. They, they've moved on now, um, uh, moved away from this area. But he was a very creative and artistic person himself, actually. And so I know the Lord wanted to speak him through the imagery that was there. It's important that we do those things in a flow of the Spirit, not just in our human abilities, but in a flow of the Spirit as the Lord releases them to us. And there are many other examples with much, much greater skill. I do want to mention the hands banner again because I do think that this so beautifully captures something of that that our our creative and artistic abilities capture something that God is saying and doing, not only in the image looking at it, 
This is about who we're called to be. People with hands that reach out and bless and worship and serve one another. But also just the very making of it. The fact that every hand came from a different person in the room. And it shows that unity and diversity. The very act of doing that is accomplishing something spiritually amongst us when we allow the Holy Spirit to flow in those gifts. I want to pray for more of it that we might see more of our incredible artistic abilities and skills and creativity here used in that way and captured in that way to release life and to help us all rise up into the calling God has given us. And the last thing I want to mention from verses 12 and verse 29 in this chapter, it's these precious stones. You shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod, which is kind of like an apron, I'm told. Um, two stones as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for a memorial. And then in verse 29, and Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment over his heart when he enters the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And this is really a call to prayer. The priestly calling is about glory and beauty. The priestly calling can be released further through our gifts, born of the Holy Spirit, through our artistic ability, our creativity, and all kinds of other gifts that will release us to fulfill our priestly calling, but fundamentally at the heart of a priestly calling is a call to prayer. And priestly prayer, if we look at the duties of the priests in the Old Testament, was a daily thing. The priests entered daily into God's presence. It was regular at the right times. It was disciplined. There were certain things, rules that had to be followed in order to do it and to keep doing it in the right way. And it was an act of bringing people before the Lord, close to him, into his presence, like it says there of Aaron, and like we can do when we carry people in our prayers before the Lord, and we use their names to bring them before the Lord. And always, at all times, whether they were carried on the shoulder pieces or on the breastplate, they were precious stones that represented God's people, and their names were on them, precious stones, because we are always as priests to be reminded of the precious value, the precious nature of the people of God around us in our church life together. I hope that we see one another like that. I hope we see the preciousness of one another. I hope that even when we find one another difficult or we think we see things that aren't so beautiful and glorious as they should be in one another, that rather than rushing with our chisel to chip away at that stone to sort it out, that instead we pick it up and we put it in our heart and carry it to the Lord in prayer. I hope we do that for one another because it is actually part of our calling I wonder how much you pray for the people of God in this room around you or the ones who couldn't make it today because they've got stuff going on, whatever. How much do we carry one another 
like that. That's what the priests were called to do daily, regularly, faithfully, continuously to carry people, but aware that they are precious, 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 precious to the Lord. And that sometimes the Lord wants to stir in us in a new way and remind us of how valuable we are. So I just want to finish with this thought. Because they were carried in two ways, weren't they? The, The stones, the people. It says on the shoulders, but also on the heart. And I think that that's a helpful pointer to us, perhaps, in if we want to rise up to this priestly calling and start praying for one another, that I do pray we do. Start praying more for one another. Maybe this helps us to think how to pray. You know, as we carry one another on the shoulders, I think that's a picture of the, the burdens that we carry as God's people, individually. You know, you, on your shoulder, on your back, you carry your baggage, <laughs> the external stuff. And sometimes we need to pray for one another, strength in their shoulders, strength in what they're carrying, strength for the burdens that people have, strength for the practical challenges, strength for the external pressures, strength for the needs that we all of us have, strength for the responsibilities that God has given us and put on our shoulders. When we look around at one another, can we pray for strength, to pray for the shoulders and remember that we carry people in prayer so that they can get strong spiritual shoulders to do the things that God has called them to do and to overcome the pressures that they will face. But also, there's the stones on the heart. Maybe we can pray for one another, not only for the practical needs and burdens, but also we can pray for the heart, the matters of the heart the health of our hearts, for spiritual needs, for growth that we know needs to happen, for when somebody offends us, and like I said, not just rushing to correct it, there's right times and seasons for a word of correction, but I tell you what, they'd be a lot less necessary if before we did that, we rush with them to the Lord and say, Lord, that person, they did something in an attitude that I don't think is right, They hurt or they damage. Lord, please, would you help them? Would you show them? Would you shine them so that they gleam out with more of your glory? Lord, would you help them to grow? Show me if I can come alongside them in some way and show them more how to be like Jesus and how to grow in the grace of Jesus. If we were that kind of priestly people and if we truly carry one another on our hearts, you know what? I think our discipleship would be rocketing rocketing so much further. There'd be so much glory and beauty shining out. You couldn't stop people. You'd have to put people at the doors to keep them out. There'd be too many wanting to come in. You know, there's something in the heart of God for us here in Forest Hill at this moment. And that is the message that I was carrying for us this morning, that the Lord is saying we need to help one another to be the people he wants us to be because there's so many more 
ready to come and ready to join in. And if we are ready and if we're helping each other to be ready by being priestly prayers and praying for the stresses and strains amongst us and praying for the spiritual life and growth of the people around us, if we are doing that and fulfilling it, we will be the kind of place that God wants to gather others into. So I just want to leave us and pray now with that thought, with that challenge. Let's fulfill our priestly calling, Ichthus Forest Hill. Let's be glorious. Let's be beautiful. Let's be wise and skillful with our gifts. And above all, let's be prayerful for one another so that we can be a church that looks like Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord, I just really want to ask that even now, you just place in each of our hearts a new little prayer list. I just felt the Lord was wanting to release a prayer list to some of us. Some of us do these things already, um, and the Lord might want to refresh that. But I could just see he was giving you just a little group of names. We can't always pray for everyone, but we've got a house group, we've got people that we know people that we connect with more regularly and we could start to lift them up to the Lord in a new way and I felt the Lord was just giving that to some people a little list that maybe you want to pray for and actually I don't think she's still in here but Hannah I know that Hannah is somebody Hannah Bones who the Lord gave that put that on her heart a little while ago a list of people that she regularly prays for that priestly way maybe there's others that he's doing that for giving that list. Lord, I want to pray that the people that we carry around with us in our church life, Lord, that we would learn how to lift them before you in that priestly way. Teach us, grow us. Lord, none of us knows it all. We have not got to the point of being a perfect priest. Lord, that is you. But Lord, we want to keep learning and growing in your direction. So Lord Jesus, please pour out upon us fresh waves of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, let that beauty and glory truly shine forth, Lord, in new ways, in fresh ways. Lord, quicken new gifts amongst us, people who've got something to bring in the flow of the Holy Spirit that will enhance and strengthen our life together in you. And Lord, above all, may we be a people of prayer, regular, committed, faithful in prayer, so that we can carry each other into your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living